I'll drink all of this. Pat, that's how you should enjoy it. For Fuddruckers. Survive this golden age. Plans are just old ideas rehashed. Where am all? All the classics gone. I used to say there will never be a classic again. Art repeats itself. I've heard it tell there will never be a skeptic, oh yeah. Cause there is nothing new. I've heard it said there will never be a classic again. Art repeats itself. I've heard it tell but it pays to be a skeptic, oh yeah. Cause there is nothing new Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? I've waited all my life Find a new age Christ And it does not impress me What we need right now Is a cultural Revolution I've heard it said there will never be a classic again Art repeats itself. I cannot tell, but it pays to be a skeptic. Oh, yeah. Cause there is nothing new. Said there will never be a traffic again. Art destroys itself. I never sell, but it pays to be a skeptic. Oh, yeah. Cause there is nothing new. There is nothing new. No more Fuddruckers. 
No more Fuddruckers, folks. I've actually only been to Fuddruckers once, I'll, I'll admit it. And really, my pain now is that I never got a chance to experience it again. What if you could pick your own toppings on your burger? That's what it boiled down to, if anyone has never been, because it's not really a huge chain nationally. It's not, um, it's just funny named. And it was famously parodied in uh, Idiocracy, where over the years it turned into buttfuckers. But as a, as a brand, as a concept, I always was, I found it comforting, you know? Just something so perfectly stupid. Hey, here's a place that kind of sounds like ass sex where you can pick your own burger toppings. Which is true of basically any burger restaurant. The only difference is, is that they're in front of you and you get to feel like you're contributing. A perfect little fake, little doohickey. A little, uh, like a hamster wheel for you to get out any a sense of like personal uh, autonomy in your life. Like, we've already constrained human freedom to mean the freedom to buy. And they even, but that gets limiting. So you have to give people little micro choices within their choices to broaden their sense of autonomy, which is of course entirely illusory. Because what difference does it make from saying, give me a burger with uh, lettuce, uh, tomatoes, onions, mayonnaise, and some of the jalapeno sauce versus going and putting them on yourself. It's a sense of action. It's a sense of participation. You're incarnating your will in action. But it's the same thing as just telling them what to put on it. It's just a little hamster wheel of, of, of agency. And it's called Fuddruckers. <laughs> ah, God, it rules. And it leaving really is... I gotta say, you can kind of feel like the lights are getting timmed one by one. I mean, I, I, I don't want to get too apocalyptic because I genuinely don't think we're headed towards a terminal crisis anytime soon. I mean, obviously, anything can happen that could change that. Black swan events and whatnot. I mean, we're in the middle of one, and who knows what else could come on top of it. And the climate is clearly going buck wild right now in a way that could be very unpredictable and lead to like almost overnight instantaneous changes in like distribution of water resources and arable land that are totally unpredictable. But I don't think there's anything to say, oh, we're in the end days, other than the desire for this to be the end days, which we all secretly have. I mean, there's a reason we're obsessed with the apocalypse and have been since the 90s. It's because we've foreclosed any chance of a future. As soon as the 70s ended and that tight, and that fucking, uh, the windpipe of the working class got closed, there was no more future to imagine. And so we imagine the end. We imagine apocalypse instead. Because, uh, just anything to not be this. Anything to reveal all of the fraudulence. Because apocalypse just means to unveil. Some confirmation of the, of the, the, the sickness in your soul is not your fault. So of course we all want apocalypse in somewhere now. And, we get to, and now, because everything is so dire, we get to dress that in righteousness. And, and, and in political... Uh, uh, and most importantly for people who get a lot of online just uh, satisfaction from building a political identity, a uh, sense of being politically intelligent and politically uh, canny. Like, oh, you guys think that this can turn around, you fools, you mountbanks, you think we can go back to the 50s? And I know I said that yesterday, but what I mean by that is, is only that we can't return to a distribution of profit like we had in the 50s. We will have to overcome capitalism to re return to a, like a, a horizon of a future for people. But that's a process, and it starts politically. And in the meantime, you can wrench things away. It's just it's going to be ha it's going to have to be more uh, militant. 
it can't be, it can't be, we can't assume that we can get back to a transactional relationship with politics that's going to effectively bring about change. We're going to have to move through that level though. That's why I have no time for people who say we need the, we need to like marshal revolutionary forces right now. We need to like go to the hills or arm people. There's not enough. There's not enough people who even understand what's going on, have any kind of political context for their alienation and their, and their, dis and their panic at the moment. And there's no, no reason to believe that if a crisis got deeper, you would be able to channel anything because you don't even speak the same language they do. You have incorporate, you have created an entire identity around a political self-conception that has a, a private or at least a semi-private linguistic um, value system that is not translatable. We have to move through these dead structures, and it's horrible to have to do that. We're thrashing around inside a fucking rotting tauntaun, but we have to do it because it's what we have. It's the only way to keep us, us warm through this dark night of total, like, de-socialization, de-personalization, de-politicization. <laughs> what we're in for is more of the same, but slightly worse. As awful as that is to think of. We're probably, probably in for more of the same, but worse. And that means we have to deal with the structures we have, and we have to work to resurrect a basic belief that we have any kind of control of our destiny. And Bernie, I think, was the genuine start of that. At this point, though, we have to move beyond Bernie. I mean, that's pretty clear. His, his, his relevance is fading quickly. That doesn't mean we grab new heroes. That doesn't mean we try to turn AOC into Bernie now. It means rebuilding the sense that people can act politically. And most people, like, it's one thing to get a, a re once you're, a, the, the big issue here is that a lot of people seem to think that if they can get people to understand that there's a political dimension to their pain in life and that that, that, that pain can be alleviated through collective action, that they, you can convince them, once you've convinced them of that, to skip right past any political, uh, 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 electoral engagement in conventional politics to like full fully radicalized uh, uh, militancy and you can do that for some people I mean that's how a lot of the people who feel that they are that political persuasion became politically radicalized they just had a phase transition from apolitical to radicalized but the thing is that is that is a I would argue a rarer occurrence than the more likely thing, which is people have to be brought through stages, personally, uh, of political consciousness. They have to first engage with politics and then be disillusioned with politics to move forward to the next level. Because the militancy people are imagining involves significant physical personal risk. And people only do that if they feel like it will have efficacy, as we've talked about. They have to feel like their, their fighting might be necessary. They, and the thing is, most people aren't going to be heroes. They're going to want to find the path of least resistance. And 
for most people, that means psychologically, forgetting about arguments, because arguments don't really convince people of things. Psychologically, most people will say, what can I do with this new understanding of politics that will be productive without risking my life? And the answer will be elections. And of course, you'll say, no, no, elections are no good. Don't you see? And then you'll explain to them why. But guess what? They haven't felt it. They have not actually experienced disillusion with politics. So they're not going to take your fucking word for it. Some of them might, but again, I am talking the, the, the weight of like the prevailing psychology of the average person is going to move towards personal safety. They're going to reason around that. And so that means if there's an alternative, if there's a political dimension, a political act, a axis of action, that is an alternative to direct confrontation with the state that could lead with their imprisonment or death, most people, not all, are going to take it. That doesn't mean that they're going to stay there, and it doesn't mean that they can stay there. It does mean they have to be brought through the process. And, one of the pe and, and people who don't need that part are going to play their role in pulling them along. But they should not be trying to abolish this thing or like make some sort of pointless propaganda argument in favor of like mass radicalization that ignores the fact that people have to move through psychological steps of awareness. For the most part, very few people can just flash fry themselves out of one mindset into another because reality intercedes. The passions that made the moment dissipate and their sense of vulnerability as a person is brought back into focus over time. And then, and that is only anticipated by their, their uh, moving through a world of pain and fear and desire and their attachment to it. Somebody is agreeing with me that Lovecraft Country is terrible? Man, that's a bad show. Wow. If that's the standard now of a prestige show, and I don't know if that's the consensus. I don't, know what, I don't read any of that stuff anymore, so I don't know what critics are saying about it. I used to. I used to read all that shit, AV Club stuff, when I was trying to convince myself that prestige TV was the highest form of art because I didn't want to read a book. Um... But do people think it's like a good show? Like a really good show? Because it's terrible. Uh, it's one of the worst ones I've seen that has any kind of uh, like reputation. And, and certainly on HBO, which is supposed to be still a cut above. The filet of the TV genre, as Jeff Daniels would say in uh, Squid and the Whale. It's dog shit. It's very bad. I mean, the fact that everything is CGI, including all the creatures is very bad, obviously, and it knocks it down a whole letter grade. No episode could be better than a B from that point. But man, it's like, it is the worst case, it's the worst, I would say that Lovecraft Country is the worst, worst possible scenario of the politicization of, of culture that we have had in the last, like, four or five years specifically. Under Obama, but really intensified under Trump. Whereby the only axis of value that a piece of art has is its political content. Because I think the argument a lot of people would make is things are so bad now and the need for people to both have their pain felt and to try to wake people up to the horrors around them means that the only real that piece of value art can have, especially popular art, is speaking to the moment. And I must say my only rejoinder to that is Watchmen, but even more love. And I thought Watchmen was bad. Lovecraft Country, even worse. And even more a, an example of a program that only exists 
to be political, to say something, to make everybody uh, uh, good people, to get all those white privileged folks watching TV to turn into non-ones, and all the white people who are already feeling good about themselves to feel even better about themselves. And my argument, I point to that show and I tell someone, do you really think that this show is going to save a, save a single person from a hate crime or bring down the level of police violence against minorities in this country or do a single solitary thing for anyone except for the specific black people involved in making the show to make their lives better? Do you really think that? Do you really think a culture of TV that uninspiring and flat and alienating from an aesthetic perspective is going to do anything other than appeal to people who already want to feel good about themselves, who are going to like the show and watch the show to reaffirm values they already hold, and everyone else is going to fucking ignore it? Because the only people who like that show, I would argue, are people who are getting a frisson out of it from like, look at me, I'm watching the black revisionist sci-fi show. Look at me, I'm, rem I'm reckoning with the, the sins of, the, of, of whiteness and the, and the, and the erasure of black, the black experience, and I'm correcting it right here and now. There's no other value to that show. The performances are dog shit, the effects are hilariously bad, it's, it has no atmosphere to speak of, incredibly flat, and of course, its political content is dog food, served up to just a bunch of hungry, slavering Labradors. I knew that in the first episode when they scored... They scored, I told them about this already after I saw it, I still blew my mind they actually put this in the show. They scored a montage of racist incidents befalling a family traveling through the South in the 50s or 40s or whatever with, I mean, my God, if it had been like a, like a Change is Gonna Come by Sam Cooke, that would have been heavy-handed enough. No, 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 no. We have entered an era where political uh, content has to be so heavily loaded that, that the abstraction of Music is too far, is too anxiety. Like, oh no, they're not going to get the point. They scored it with a James Baldwin speech. Just him talking about racism while, while watching it. What, like, the whole point of fucking film, which TV is a bastard child of, is the interplay of like light and shadow and sound after the 20s and fucking images. And that are supposed to like go off of one another and produce individual associations that's like an artistic response this is just layering shit on shit to try to stuff it down your fucking throat so i say if this is art under that rubric it's a, it's it's failed as on its own because it will not work on people because it's not good art and i don't even mean i mean if you're if you're the type of person who needs to be reached by this What's fun to watch about that show? What's fun? It's not fun. You're not even going to argue, you can't even argue that you're going to bring in people who otherwise wouldn't want, like, have their mind expanded by, by that kind of racial content uh, because they're not going to watch it in the first place. So it's not, it doesn't even have, even though it uses genre, even though it uses genre, which is what's supposed to be, like, the, the thing that gets people in the door because it's plot-focused and, and it can exploit uh, like horror elements and, and violence in order to keep people watching, even with all that, even with that hook, it's still dreadfully boring and uninteresting. And I see people praising this program and I think, this is dark, man. 
you guys are just going to suck your own dicks in this cocoon of righteousness, producing art to make you all feel better about being white or being privileged, or if you're not white and privileged and making it, getting to participate and tell your story finally and stand in for the exploitation of millions uh, like you. And everyone else is going to be doing their own and is going to be just falling down the mountainside. So I have no confidence, no, no patience for any, any culture-first politics of any kind. Caring about any of this stuff. Representation in any way, uh, what's good or bad art, it's dog shit. Because, yes, yes, the superstructure reinforces the base by giving us our ideas. The like, imaginative framework that we carry out capitalism with which is crucial and changes the way we relate to one another. But it cannot be clipped at that source. It cannot be clipped at that source. Look what happens. Look what all that effort brings you to. Something that's just re re uh, recuperated by the structure. Which is funny, because you'd think these fucking Pomo people would know that. That's like a key like French postmodernist uh, take. Like I think it's Derrida. I can't even remember one of those frogs. A recuperation. All this, all this, all this, anything that gets brought up in like, in the culture and gets turned into like a cultural meme is then commodified, even if it's brought, if it's, uh, if it's motive, original motives was genuine uh, uh, hostility to the, the capitalism. And like, you know, the, the reason they used to call them exploitation movies is that rather than being art, rather than coming from a place of expression, of, of creative endeavor, they were as assembly mills where they would just take us, they would exploit a certain stock uh, character or uh, subculture that would guarantee an audience or, or a, a, a indulgence to the audience. Like violence, people love violence, sex, people love watching sex. Hey, uh, what are, black people don't have movies for themselves. What about if we see sex and violence with black people? You know there was redneck exploitation in the same era? Because there were a lot of drive-ins in the rural south. It was, it was all over the place. And there wasn't like national distribution of films back then. There would be like uh, uh, distributors would go like on road shows with like a bunch of fucking uh, films and, and then show them like at one theater and then move around the country. That's how Dolomite started being distributed. Um, and so they would go to the south and they would play these movies with like hillbillies shooting each other in the butt with buckshot. And like there's a hilarious uh, spot on, their, on the back of their union suits. And everybody had like a jug. But those was, they, that's, that was a thing that you could exploit in lieu of the art. And this stuff, this Lovecraft country stuff like this, it's like it's political exploitation. It's like woke exploitation. It's woke exploitation. The wokeness stands in for the art. People talk about it and people watch it because they get to participate in a ritual that reaffirms their political virtues and, 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 and uh, those of their friends. And that, and, then there's, and, that whole, and that fills the whole of the like, actual art that isn't there. Did I coin that? Because I, I, I said that and I wonder if I heard that anybody else say that. I might have invented that. I'm not sure. I don't want to say right now I invented it because I, I, I might have heard it from someone else. But I think I invented that shit. But it's true. 
just think of how much art, uh, how many things have you seen? How many movies and TVs have you seen? And I think this is one of the things that, this is a perfect example, by the way, of how, and there's actually a sunny, it's always sunny episode in the last season that dealt with this perfectly. There's this, uh, there's, a, there's one of the things that powers the really, really stupid cultural arguments we see is that I think the real motive for a lot of like the white male rage at like woke entertainment and video games Yes, a lot of it is based on genuine racial anxiety about and, and, and gender anxiety. I'm not going to disagree, especially amongst the most fervent people. But I would say that on the margins, which is where most people are, because few people are really committed to this insanity, like this insane fight over culture, they, they, they wear their, their cultural indulgences lighter. They mean less to them. They're more distracting. But, I, but they still care enough. They want it to be good. I think a lot of like these white young dudes, they see this stuff that's shit, that is, you know, inclusive, and then they get, and then they decide that it's the uh, fact that it's inclusive that's why it's bad. That's not why it's bad. It's bad because everything is shit now. It's bad because capital has totally dissolved the artistic uh, input on almost all art forms, including our precious prestige television. And what is filling the gap is this easy, lazy wokeness to give it cultural cachet and to give it like. And to give it, most of all, a way for critics to say it's good. Hollow. It's, yeah, ho- fine, whatever. Like I said, a hole that's filled with wokeness. Uh, and like how, you look at the way people talk about shows, specifically critics. Do they talk about, like, art? I guess somebody said about exploitation in, in Gamergate. Well, that was, the set, that, was the, uh, that was the kernel of truth. And the thing is, there's always a kernel of truth to every argument, or else people wouldn't make it. That's something people have a hard time with, because they say, no, no, no. Everyone, there's correct arguments and wrong arguments, and people hold wrong views either because they're stupid or because they're lying. And people on, art, and on the internet mostly assume that you're one or the other. In reality, there are kernels of truth to both sides of any stupid, uh, uh, simp- simplified uh, argument on the internet. But, you, but both sides have to deny the other that, that privilege of anything being true because it undermines the totalizing nature of that argument. In reality, the shit that like, a lot of these guys complain about is bad. I'm sorry. A lot of that shit is shit. And Lovecraft Country is a perfect example. But it's not because it's woke that it's bad. Something else would be filling that hole, and it would be just as bad. I mean, they might like it a little more because it was like more indulgent to their, to their interests, but it would still be bad. They just wouldn't notice the badness as much because they would have other elements in it that like satisfied them. Instead, other people would find it worse and be alienated by it. So like everybody's looking at this impoverished cultural landscape, and they're seeing a mirror of their own desires in it. So, like, the white male reactionary sees shit art that doesn't cotton to his sexual desires, doesn't cotton to his hierarchies of race and expectations and stereotypes, and identifies that as the problem with it. But that art to somebody on the other side is seen as a recognition of that person. So they don't notice the shit as much as the other one does. So when they're arguing, they're not arguing about the correct premise because they're arguing about whether... Like, this representation is what's bad when that's not the reason it sucks. Just like 
if there's something that is more indulgent to, uh, to like white male tastes and hierarchies and racism and all that stuff, it, its badness is easier to be perceived by people who are alienated by that. And so the white male guy says, no, this is the good stuff. And the thing that's good about it is the hierarchies and the white maleness and all that shit. But in both cases, it's still shit and it sucks. Yeah, no, like all that other stuff, it's, like I said, exploitation movies are exploiting the stuff that the lizard brain audience, that at that point was mostly young men, that's who went to the movies back then, that's who went to the movies in the 70s, was young dudes, what do they want to see? They want to see blood and guts and boobs. And they want to see, uh, like obviously, the, the, if they're white, they want to see the racial hierarchies that make them comfortable reaffirmed. And so that's what they gave them. But there was exploitation for, hey, what do young black guys want to see? They got that. Now it's flipped. The audience is, who's getting pandered to has changed, but it's still pandering. And the stuff itself is, not, is still as devoid, as hollow as it was back then. Ah, uh, yes, cultural Marxism. That is such a stupid concept. You might as well just draw a giant question mark in the air and say, I don't know. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like, it's like political economy dark matter. You're just, there's this, this thing here, you know. They're all in charge. Why? Because they have a plan. Why? What is the plan? Oh, uh, it's to make us less virile so that, it's all fucking conspiracy theory. It's conspiracy theory. It is because it, otherwise there's no way to make sense of it. The way to make sense of it is to say that over time, uh, culture becomes more accepting so that the uh, pool of people who are in some way still like moored to some sort of political project, right? Like it's easy to have um, a high... A, Like, you have a, a, a polity that has to submit in some degree to being ruled through a combination of coercion and adherence to a belief that they're part of the, the world, like part of the state, part of like a, a, political, a political entity, and that they are like a stakeholder in it. So it's a combination of both for everybody. And the closer you are to power and, and comfort... The, the less coercion is involved, but it's a mixture for everybody. Uh, and there becomes a time when in order to maintain, like if demographics change, for example, uh, you have to become more culturally accepting to keep more people bought in that they're part of this thing called the United States. Otherwise, it becomes unstable. It becomes ungovernable. Uh, and you have to do that Especially as the, uh, the material benefit from being an American in the, in the middle goes away. Right? As, as, the, as, the, as the wages of being in you know, the American uh, uh, working middle class, working class middle class go away. 
uh, and people get more alienated from a sense of political participation at the center of what used to be the economy, you have to increase uh, devotion outside of it in order to stabilize it, in order to stabilize the system. But what's driving that is the slow stripping away of, of all people's economic, uh, li economic lives. As, 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 the, as, as surplus falls and as the ability to distribute anything to labor of any race dissipates. It's purely a coping mechanism. It's a way to blame something without going to the, to the fundamental cause of all of this misery. And once again, you know, there's no way to win any of these fights. And it's, yeah, like that's what's so frustrating talking about this stuff. And I'm very sorry. Because it is so abstract and it's so, got, it's so hard to grab onto. Because at the end of the day, it's just, a, it's just a, it's a hobby for people to talk about. You know, yes, it's, it's part of our cultural firmament. But it's being reproduced at a level that is untouchable by any of us. All we get to do is argue about it. And get pulled away from ourselves and each other by the by holding by by the anger and the, by the by the passion we put behind these these pantomime battles. So yeah, uh, yeah, I won't talk about it anymore. It's very frustrating because well, because it's it's the most these conversations are the single most perfectly compacted balls of inextricable false reading and, and, and bad faith and, and, uh, and libidinal like reinscription. Like this is, these are the opinions that where you seek out ones you disagree with to get off. Like stuff about culture, man. Like that's where people, politics sure, but politics downstream from culture. Like, at this level, this, this is where Breitbart was right. Like, the, the culture of politics, yeah. It's, it's, it's all generated at the symbolic level of entertainment. And then it flows down to politics, which is just a more concentrated form of entertainment that appeals to fewer and fewer people over time. As it, like, suffuses. And yeah, uh, as Whopper said in Wargame, the only way to win is not to play. So there's no way, it's like, I'm not going to go and argue about why Lovecraft is bad on the internet. I'm gonna not going to write an article. I'm not going to contribute to the takes, Smith. I feel like I got this out of my system. Like, once again, I'm, a lot of this is me talking my way through, like, why I, what I think of this stuff so that I can see if it makes sense. Um... But yeah, it is not, it's not to be engaged with because it's getting everybody, everybody is getting off on it. It's a bunch of perverts.
I think squibs. I won't. I won't talk about squibs now. But I like the squib discourse because that's that's a little removed, you know, from like pure the purely cultural elements of uh, of art, like the culture war elements. There's. It's actually got a kind of a material grounding, theoretically. Everything else is just. It immediately flies off, like when you're trying to scatter Donnie's ashes. I didn't really watch the Venture Brothers that much. I appreciated what it was going for, but uh, I don't know. At a certain point, I guess I just kind of got the point. R.I.P. Though, I know Chris is Chris and Amber, and I think. Virgil are all big fans. I used to be into wrestling when I was a little kid. I liked uh, WWF superstars. And then I got into it in college again because of The Rock. But then I stopped. It's been a long time. I have not seen the Kaufman movie yet. Sinich Dutch G. What's it called? Sinich G. Schenectady, New York. Sinich Dutch, New York. That one's a tough watch, man. That was brutal. I saw that in the theater. Uh, it's gonna be. It's gonna be hard to get me to sit down and watch that one after that one. But I probably will at some point. <laughs> of course, I've seen the Righteous Gemstones. We did an episode about the Righteous Gemstones. It ruled. That's how the good Lord work. I love Adaptation. That's still my favorite Charlie Kaufman movie. Written anyway. People keep telling me that, uh, ask me to have a tenant review. I, I don't, I'm not going to the theater anytime soon. That's for sure. Certainly not to see some fucking... Dishwater Gray Christopher Nolan movie. Ugh. Talk about, I mean, just a, just a slight digression, by the way. I really don't take any of your moans about, like, the decline of culture because of the SJWification of entertainment and, like, the dethroning of the white male auteur if you're sweating Christopher Nolan. Because Christopher Nolan is a perfect bubblehead. And the things that people see in his movies are purely just pl like uh, clockwork plot mechanics that they are elevating because that's where the heart should be. And they're filling it in with that. I mean, my God, 
the guy can't even really shoot action movies that well. That's or action scenes that well. That's kind of crazy if you think about it. Like his movies, almost all of them have been action films, and he has what's what's a great action sequence in a Christopher Nolan movie? Uh, I guess what the uh, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh, floating hallway thing. I, I I barely remember that. Like if you're looking at Nolan and going like this is what we could have more of if it wasn't for all the uh, all the women and minorities uh, making woke movies now, uh, then sorry, no thank you. Your your world would suck just as much. And like most of his movies are action films, and he has he has no memorable, in my opinion, action sequences. Nothing that has stuck with me. I remember being really impressed by Inception when I saw it. If you look at my letterbox review, it's very high. But that's one of those things where I was, I was, I was caught. Like, when I'm talking on here, uh, a lot of the times, I get angry. And people think I'm yelling at the chat. I'm really not. I'm yelling at me. Because I am talking always about myself. And if people find it meaningful, it's because my, my experience resonates in some deep way with theirs. And that's it. Uh... And I was in a state of mind where I thought that plot complexity and like this kind of stuff was serious art. It was like bridging the gap between mainstream mass culture and high culture. No, it wasn't. I just was a lazy fuck who wanted to see movies where the slow car was going. And you're like, oh, but that was his dream. And then that was his dream. And then that his dream was his dream. And you get to marvel at this absolutely hollow uh, mechanism. The Battle of Gotham, you mean when the cops who had guns charged headlong at a bunch of guys who also had guns to have a fist fight? And of course, you can forgive that if it, if it feels good in the moment enough. But that's all I was looking at. It was sterile. There's always, a, there's always a risk when you talk like this that people are going to go, oh yeah, bo uh, old man, you're just bitter because they don't like make them like they used to, huh, Grandpa? And the thing is, yeah, that's always an element of all complaints for, about people, about the new modes of art that they weren't like initiated to at the right age. But there also is a steady decline in quality of average art as capitalism infiltrates and annihilates the artistic impulse that makes art. It's just a question of, like, what percentage is your critique, one or the other? And that's up for the other person to decide.
I mean, I think I've made a pretty strong case vis-a-vis -vis my arguments about squibs and CGI that we've that in at least the the main like taking one genre, action films, examining a concrete way that over time these movies have been made worse in a way that you can complain is just not being used to digital effects, or you can see the flip side of that and see as a genuine difference. That's for you to decide. And then you ask yourself that, and then you can answer yourself, how, doesn't, how is it likely that that effect reverberates throughout all of our mainstream art, art forms? I would love to go on, I would love, people say go on Red Letter Media. I don't get that choice. I don't get to do that. I sure as, I'm not inviting myself on someone else's show. I'm not, uh, no. But if they had asked me, I would of course go. No question. I would really want to hope to go t wait till after quarantine, though, because I would really love to go to the studio and uh, do a best of the worst around the table than do, rather than do fucking Zoom or some bullshit. But I, I mean, I don't, I mean, they seem like they've got a pretty good, uh, you know, degree of investment in this shit, like this online culture. Like, they're, if, you, if, you, if you topped out at movies, you're less tightly wound than if you topped out at politics, I think. And, uh, they and then you can get t really tightly wound on, on movies, like, say, Movie Bob or Devin Faraci, or you can be nicely adjusted around movies online. And they did that. So they're much chiller. They're way too chill, probably, to ever listen to us anxious politics dorks banging on about bullshit. So they probably have no idea who I am. So, but no one tell them that gave us on, please. Please don't do that. I just, please don't do that. Do not, do not tell them to get us on, me on. Do not do it. I will be very mad at anyone who does because I'm telling you not to. I'm not winking, motherfuckers. I will, I will excommunicate your asses. Yeah, exactly. They just went, a thing with, went through a whole thing with William Shatner because of some ogre-eager oafs. Please, please be cool. Please be cool. I would love to get Felix on Rogan. I think that that's fine because I think Rogan might respond to that kind of thing. I have no idea how he how he works, but somebody somebody should tell Rogan to have Felix on because I really think they could vibe. No, I don't, Felix, I don't think Felix would troll Rogan. I think Felix would go in earnest, uh, fully confident that he had like a base of... See, that's the thing. I, you know, you, 
people get anxious about going on places that are like not ideologically uh, friendly because they worry about getting rattled. Because they worry, they think they would be uh, insecure. They would be nervous. Maybe not even because they didn't think they could like deliver on because they really didn't believe their beliefs. They might be totally secure in their beliefs, but they might be worried that just the thought of all those people listening and watching could get on them and, and, and give them the yips. The only way you could go on a show that big would be if you had full confidence that you would have like a base of a rapport with, with, with the host and prevent just skidding off into, into oblivion. And Felix 100% would go in there totally uh, confident and I think would make for a great conversation. They could just vibe on, I think they could vibe on uncles for a solid hour. I, I don't, I like, I think the, the, the danger of, like, if I, if I went on Rogan, I don't think I would ever would, but, I mean, I would if they asked me, my God, but I don't think it's likely. Uh, I would be worried, and it would not be about confidence of ideas, and not even about being able to, like, c connect with Joe, because I think I know enough about Joe's shit that I think I know where I could, like, get, get a baseline with him and work from. I think I would just get nervous about that many fucking people. Like, that show is insanely popular. So I would, I would probably want to, I would, I would absolutely have to get high beforehand. I mean, I, I, ooh, no question. I would have to definitely chew up. But if I chewed up, I think I could, I could do, do okay with, with Joe. I know that we have a pretty decent audience, but, uh, you know, it's by this point, it's, it's self-selected. It's people who kind of already like us. And in that, in, that, in that vein, you know, we're able to find purchase. It would be kind of, it would be a little, uh, it would be anxiety-producing to imagine stepping out of that bubble and having to confront a broader group of people who aren't necessarily on your wavelength and have to, like, you have to translate at a different frequency. I would definitely go on uh, Mayor Pete's podcast. I would go uh, in Mayor Pete's go on Mayor Pete's contest podcast uh, right before, right after it, at taking like a huge amount of laxative and then just shit my pants right there.
Oh, Gwen Snyder's podcast. I would do that one for sure. I mean, she wouldn't invite me, obviously. That's a zero zero percent chance of happening. But I think that could be a fascinating conversation. Uh, Biden hiring Anita Dunn is uh, hilarious. I mean, the entire Biden campaign is just a ritualized abnegation and uh, and and befouling of every sacrament, everything that Democrats. Everything that liberals held holy, every idea of inclusion and representation and, uh, and uh, feminism profaned in the name of keeping the fucking upper, upper tax bracket from increasing. Truly monstrous. Oh, I would love to go on Gorka's show too. Oh, I would love to talk to Gorka. I would get like, uh, I would go, I would get really like nitty gritty, like Napoleonic war shit with him. Like, oh, the the Borodino. Sir, would you contend that Napoleon erred? You know, that kind of thing. All right, today I got to cut it a little short, but thanks for the convo. I know I got a little cranky there. I'll try not to do that again. Don't want to alienate everybody. But much love to everyone listening and watching. I hope it's less fuzzy today than it was. Bye-bye.